Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about toxic links. It's not a phrase that I use often, toxic links, because it's not a phrase that Google uses or recognizes. Most of the links that I see being called toxic around the web are ones that I'd probably call spammy. I'm going to share some more on that soon, what the difference is and whether it matters, because many in the SEO community, including several SEO tools that are widely used, will talk about this idea of toxic links. And I think there's a lot of confusion on this topic. In terms of SEO news this week, there's not a whole lot to report on. The The world, as you know, is in severe turmoil right now. I, I even debated whether to record this episode this week, as SEO seems very unimportant compared to what's happening, the horrible things that are happening in Ukraine. Uh, my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. I, I can't imagine how terrifying these times are for you. I retweeted uh, a Google Sheet uh, this week on Wednesday, where people have listed work opportunities. If you're in Ukraine right now and out of work or uh, need to find a way to make some money, there are some people uh, who are uh, looking to hire uh, as well. And uh, that's an opportunity there. Um, I, you know, I can't stop thinking about the many Russians who don't support this war, and yet their lives are being turned upside down as well because of what's going on. I, I honestly don't understand much of what's happening in the world today. Uh, I really hope for a peaceful solution quickly, although it sounds like we're in for some very difficult times. I, um, I find it very interesting how much emphasis is being placed on not surfacing disinformation. I think it's more of a problem uh, in social than on search right now, but, uh, but I bet you Google's working on it. Um, disinformation and also fake news as this situation in Ukraine unfolds. I saw a tweet recently talking about the difference between disinformation and misinformation. I think both are probably a real problem right now. Disinformation is when information is spread around the web to purposely deceive people. Uh, and misinformation is when we accidentally reshare pictures or information that we didn't know was fake. And I, I think a lot of that is going on right now, and, and this is a real problem. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Google's working on changes to their algorithms as they combat malicious actors who are trying to publish fake news and, and do harm to people. Back in 2017, Google had an update that they called Project OWL. And Project OWL was designed for this purpose, to combat fake news, especially in regards to political disinformation. There was a little bit of chatter about an update potentially starting on February 24th uh, and, the, and maybe the being affecting, uh, affecting sites a couple of days after that. We have a couple of clients that are seeing changes on those days, but all of them really can be explained by either seasonality or more likely what's going on in the world. Uh, I did see that Barry Schwartz found quite a few people saying that they'd lost huge amounts of traffic starting February 24th. But even if your website is not directly affected by the horrible events in Ukraine, many sites are going to see traffic drops this week. There's a commenter on Search Engine Roundtable named Snuffy, and Snuffy had a really good quote here. World events are causing big traffic changes today. People are busy reading the news. They're busy selling their stocks. They're reading about Eastern Europe. They're looking at other websites and they're not looking at yours. So I expect that a lot of websites are going to see losses this week and probably not because Google has done a big update. So, okay, let's talk about toxic links. 
I tried to see how some of the people who use this phrase define toxic links, and I had a really hard time finding a definition other than the types of links that have the potential to hurt your website. But most of these sites talking about toxic links don't really explain why these links could have the potential to hurt your ability to rank. What I tend to see in these tools is that the vast majority of the time, the types of links they tend to label as toxic are ones that I'd call spammy. I'm talking about spammy wallpaper image pages that link to you with just random keywords or foreign language sites that scrape Alexa stats and publish them along with a link to your site, that type of thing. We often have people emailing us wanting to hire us to do disavow work because they've received a report from SEMrush saying that their risk of penalty is increasing because SEMrush's tool has detected an increase in toxic backlinks. Now, SEMrush isn't the only tool that has a report like this, but it's by far the one that we get asked about the most. Now, I want to say here that I really do like SEMrush. And, and my team use their tool on a daily basis. We use it for auditing sites. We use it for competitor research. We use it for a lot. It's a really, really powerful tool. And the people at SEMrush are great. Uh, but we don't see eye to eye on the value of algorithmically identifying links to disavow. And I've talked to them about this too. They, they I mentioned that I'll be uh, publishing an article uh, uh, like, like we just did and then this podcast as well uh, to talk about my thoughts on these toxic links. So SEMrush has an article talking about toxic links, but also it doesn't really define what they are. <laughs> they point to Google's guide on what they consider to be link schemes. I've included this in the, in the show notes, a link to that. And I really do believe that SEMrush is trying to algorithmically or programmatically find the types of link that Google says go against their guidelines. But the only ones I've ever seen appear in my reports, because I get them too from SEMrush, is that my risk of penalty is increasing. Um, are, are, they're spammy ones that would be so easy for Google to ignore. They're not the types of links that would cause you to get a Google penalty. I'm betting most of you probably haven't read through the link schemes guidelines recently. Uh, it's not the most stimulating reading. So why don't we look at some of the types of links that Google says that they consider unnatural. They start off by saying that any links intended to manipulate page rank in Google search results might be considered part of a link scheme. Really, that's the short version right there. A link scheme is when you create links that are intended to manipulate page rank. Most of the links that I see being returned as toxic by these tools are not ones that any person would ever make with the intention of trying to improve a site's page rank. The link schemes guide, they give us some really specific examples. The one that most of us know is that exchanging money for links or posts that contain links is against Google's guidelines. We, we all know that buying links is not something that Google likes. And then they talk about other examples like exchanging goods or services for links or sending someone a qu uh, quote free product in exchange for them writing it, writing about it and including a link end quote. That's something I used to see a lot in my early days of cleaning up manual actions. It was a pretty common way to get links for people to send bloggers a product. And then you could say, uh, write about this and could you link to us? And then when you're done, you can give this product away to your readers. Uh, and usually the links that they wanted were always exact match anchor text. And for a while, this type of thing, getting links in this way, worked really well in Google's algorithms. But it's always been 
in these guidelines that they have about link schemes. Now, there's some types of toxic links that are listed lower down in this guide uh, that I do see appear in these automated uh, toxic link reports. Um, things like paid links, they, they don't usually appear in the toxic link reports. Uh, but one example of one that does is, uh, quote, using automated programs or services to create links to your site. Uh, this is like hiring someone on Fiverr and using automated software to spam comments around the web or to create forum profiles with optimized signatures. Google figured out a long time ago how to deal algorithmically with links like that. I, we don't see, as far as I can tell, good SEOs today are not creating forum signatures to build links. <laughs> I mean, I did that back in the day. The very first forum that I joined uh, for SEO purposes was an affiliate marketing forum. And my signature in the forum was online veterinary advice uh, because that's the keyword that I wanted to rank for. Um, now that was back quite a while ago. In 2016, when Google refreshed or reran Penguin, it was Penguin 4.0, it was this type of link, links that were made just for SEO purposes, uh, that Google became able to algorithmically ignore. Penguin 4.0 was the update where Gary Eish told us that instead of Penguin being able to penalize sites that had had lots of link building done, Google had learned to just ignore these links uh, and not penalize the sites themselves. The link scheme guide also talks about low quality directory or bookmark links as well, which sometimes come up in the toxic link reports. But again, these would be so easy for Google to isolate and ignore. And what I mean by that is they're not likely to be causing problems to your website. They're not likely to cause a suppression to your website. But back in 2012, when Google first gave us the disavow tool, this type of link did have the potential to hurt a site's rankings. I did all sorts of work in helping sites recover from Penguin, and we saw some really good recoveries too. Back in 2013 is when I started getting a large amount of work uh, in removing manual actions and also in helping Penguin hit sites. And something that I started doing was taking note on my spreadsheet. Whenever I was doing a link audit, uh, if I wanted to disavow a domain that I thought I would always disavow this domain, uh, I added it to my spreadsheet. This is my blacklist that got started. Uh, I remember one of the first domains that I uh, that got added to this list was articlesbase.com. You know, I used to assume that everybody knows these sites, but it's been a while since they were widely used for link building. Uh, so some of you might not remember sites like this. Another one was ezinearticles.com. Now, ezinearticles very quickly after Penguin uh, became a problem um, changed to no followed links, uh, if I recall right. Um, but lots of people still use that to create links. There were places where, th these were basically places where you could create an article, any type of article, and then link back to your site from within that article or from the author bio. I did a few of these. I wrote an article about pet care and, uh, and then I'd link back, um, you know, from my, to my site from that article. Uh, and usually you'd link back with a keyword anchored link because that's what worked at the time. And doing this, it wasn't illegal. It wasn't immoral. It was just something that worked to improve your search presence. 
Now, I dabbled in building a small number of unnatural links, uh, and I've spoken in other episodes about better ways to get links. You don't want to copy uh, those unnatural linking tactics. Um, you really want to be earning mentions. You want people to link to you without even being asked to because your content is so good. It's okay to do some promotion, but if you need to be constantly begging people to get links, then probably you're not on the right track. Um, a good example is when I created a chocolate toxicity calculator and it got hundreds of good links from veterinary hospitals and articles that really mattered, like articles from authoritative places. But some sites at the time went absolutely nuts with building this type of low quality, unnatural link. And it wasn't uncommon for site owners to hand me spreadsheets where they had made thousands of links like this every month. Because again, this type of thing used to work. And those were the sites back then that if we could find all of these links, or at least the majority of these low quality article links and low quality directory links, uh, where they just link out to every site that wanted a link back, in the early days of Penguin, if we could find all of those and disavow them, we often saw really nice improvements. Incredibly dramatic improvements for some sites with subsequent Penguin updates. So after doing a bunch of these link audits, it became really obvious that there were certain sites that just always would be considered as linking unnaturally by Google. I doubt that Google's algorithms today give much credence to any of the content that exists on articlesbase.com. Although, holy cow, I just checked. And people are still trying to build links this way. <laughs> I found an article, uh, the, one of the first articles on Articles Base right now is on how preventative care can reduce the cost of healthcare. And it has a keyword anchored link to a dentist's site. It's so obviously SEO made. Uh, let's check it out. I, I was gonna, yeah, I'll put it into Ahrefs and yeah, this is super interesting. This site has very few keywords ranking on page one. And all of the ones that are ranking on page one are branded keywords. So people searching, actually looking for that business itself. Uh, it looks like their content is barely ranking for anything. Uh, I'm telling you, if we ever get short of clients, we could just look through the articles on articles base and find the sites getting bad link building done and then just start targeting them for link audit work or probably better yet, convince them to stop spending money on low quality link building and work on things that actually could help your site perform better. Probably a good site audit, um, maybe some mention building as well. Uh, so I started creating this blacklist of domains that I would always disavow. And it was really helpful for me because eventually this blacklist was tens of thousands of domains. And every time I created a new link auditing spreadsheet, I'd do a VLOOKUP against this massive blacklist and that would save me many hours of auditing links. Anytime I talked about this blacklist, people in the SEO community uh, wanted access to it. So what I did was I created a tool. It was fun. I, I programmed it myself uh, where you could basically go to mariehaines.com slash blacklist. If you go there now, you're going to get our article on why we shut it down. Uh, and it used to be able to put in a domain and it would tell you whether it was in my blacklist or not. So many people wanted access to the full blacklist uh, and, we, and we eventually made it a service that you could upload a bulk list of URLs and see which of them was on the list. The main idea of this was to save time. When we audit links for a website, we still do it manually. And what I mean by that is we have a whole process where we gather all the links we can find pointing to a site, and then we break it down to one link from each domain for us to manually, we click on it and we evaluate it. 
Sometimes we'll go further and we'll evaluate more than one link if it's not clear uh, by looking at just one page, but usually we can make a decision on whether or not it's an unnatural link very, very quickly. It's one of the first things that new employees at MHC get trained on. Uh, they get hundreds of hours of training and working on link audits to try and determine whether a link could be seen as violating Google's guidelines. The domains that we filtered out using our blacklist were ones that we at MHC do not spend time evaluating because we know that they're likely spam links and they're easy for Google to isolate and ignore. There's no harm in putting them in a disavow file, but disavowing this type of link is unlikely to do much good for a website. As John Mueller said, ultimately, if some random tool can tell you which links to disavow, they're probably already being ignored. If you're listening to this and you're not a regular listener to my podcast, I realize that some of what I'm talking about might sound like I'm not explaining enough. I've talked an awful lot in the past about making disavow decisions and using the disavow tool to your best advantage. Uh, and uh, we have a study coming out soon on uh, disavowing links to uh, one of my sites, which will uh, be very interesting as well, too. I tweeted a bit about that this week, but we'll get into that in future episodes. Um, I'm going to link in the description to an article that I wrote a little while back with everything that Google has said in regards to disavowing and our recommendations on whether you should or should not be disavowing links. In my opinion, most sites that think you need to disavow probably do not. Um, unless you've been actively building links to try and manipulate Google's algorithms, then you are very unlikely to get a manual action or to be algorithmically suppressed. This is explained in the article that I mentioned, but John Mueller has said that it's possible for a site to be suppressed by Google's algorithms because there's so much link manipulation. But what he said is that Google only does this when they have difficulty separating out the links they should be ignoring and the links that they should be counting. This is important. If Google notices an influx of, say, articles from articles base, links from, from that type of article, or spammy image links, or some type of automated or easy to create link, it's going to be really easy for them to recognize that, isolate it, and ignore it. But if you've got a mixture of truly natural authoritative mentions combined with paid links that look very much like natural mentions, or other types of link schemes that it's really hard to determine, you know, did you actually earn this? Or is this a scheme? This can be when it's difficult for Google to separate out what's worth counting and what's possibly manufactured. It's these types of cases where we can see benefit from sussing out the SEO made links that are just there for page rank purposes and keeping the truly natural mentions. Uh, we still do have some sites that benefit from disavowing. In that article that I shared on how we disavow, I've laid out a bunch of criteria to help you decide whether you should be spending more time with Google's disavow tool. And if you're really not sure, you can reach out to us at help at and you can book one of our link auditors to help you spend some time uh, looking at your situation. Hopefully this hasn't been too confusing. I've been a little distracted with all that's going on in the world. Um, again, my heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. Uh, I, I, I just can't, I can't imagine what you're going through. 
I'm hoping soon that Glenn Gabe and I will be having a discussion on assessing traffic drops. It might be the next episode, although we'll see. We were going to do it this week, but we just both of us felt that it didn't feel right. And uh, we're going to have a really, really good talk. Uh, Glenn and I have both been assessing Google traffic drops for a long, long time. And uh, uh, I really am uh, excited to. We're going to go through his article that he wrote on traffic drop assessments just recently. And uh, and I have some questions for him. We're going to have a really good discussion. So that might be two weeks from now, but we'll see. Um if you missed the last episode two weeks ago, I had a fantastic chat with Don Anderson. We were talking about Google's advances in AI, in uh, their algorithms, how they're using BERT to better understand intent, rank brain, and what we can expect to see with MUM. Oh, which reminds me, I saw someone tweeting uh, this week that they saw things to know live in the SERPs. I haven't seen it yet, but that's what Google talked about at the Search On event where Mum will help Google craft together incredibly helpful content in the search results. Uh, those different categories that are listed as things to know about a topic, they're not scraped from somebody's website. They're actually learned and crafted by the Mum algorithm itself. So we'll keep an eye on that as that rolls out. I do hope that wherever you are, you are safe and well. I'm going to sound a bit like a mom here, but remember to eat your fruits and veggies and not too much junk. We, we all need the good neurotransmitters and the vitamins and the minerals that we can, all the good stuff we can get for our bodies to be strong and face these tough times with joy and confidence in our lives. Um, so my hope for you is that you're doing okay, that you're handling things okay, um, and uh, that life is not too, too challenging right now. I'm going to take off early today, all this talk of eating healthy, and uh, what I'm going to do is bake a caramel cake. It's my my oldest's birthday uh, today. We're going to have a, a little bit of a family get-together and play some games tonight and uh, and have a good time. So wish me luck with my cake cake baking. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We also publish them on YouTube. And sometimes when I have a guest, like we did with Dawn and uh, a couple weeks before that with Lily Ray, the full video of us having our conversation is on YouTube. Uh, you can read most of what I talked about in this episode, plus more SEO news and tips at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. This episode corresponds with newsletter episode number 220. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Marie underscore Haynes or reach out to my team and I for help at help at mariehaines.com. Thank you so much for listening and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. <laughs> <laughs>